0: The time and effort companies spend around doing customer surveys and getting feedback from customers. You don't have to wait for that and you can do it yourself.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Account Management, A Tactical Guide to Success. You got Fred Fuller here on the other side of the table, John
2: Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Could not be better. Yeah? Yeah, I'm trying to be a little peppier because we started out, I was, I was sluggish. You look peppy. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um,
1: so, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit excited. I saw a headline today about some football stuff starting to spin up. And I don't know if we're going to have a football season or not or whatever, but just the idea that it could maybe possibly happen has me super excited.
2: Really? Well, it, I'm, I'm grabbing.
1: I'm grabbing, John. I'm
2: grabbing. Is it? Are they going to do something different this year? Is it going to? Is NFL going to flag football maybe? Or what's? How are we going to do this? All right, let's focus on client management.
1: Clearly, oh, okay, sorry. there's a road to nowhere with you sometimes. I do like talking about the sports. <laughs> the sports. <laughs> that reminds me of my grandmother one time. Uh, well, never mind. Anyway, uh, client management. Let's get started. So, John, we actually have something kind of special lined up today. We're doing something
2: we have, a little bit different. We have somebody very special lined up today. We have with us as a guest, Christy Hyde, who is, uh has worked for many, many years as and is an absolute expert in the world of account management and somebody that I have worked with previously. She's got... Um, a great resume of having managed many large clients for uh, technology companies for for many years now. Also, as a background in corporate communications, um, and uh, is somebody that I respect tremendously. So, Christy, welcome to the show. Take a take a moment to introduce yourself.
0: Well, that was very generous of you. I don't know that I would say expert, but I certainly do have a lot of experience and I've had some success and. I'm very excited about being here today and the opportunity to talk with you guys about your book. I mean, how exciting is that?
2: I know it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. and pretty exciting. I, um, yeah, and we do appreciate you helping us come on and uh, plug the book. That's really, yeah. That's really why you're here. No,
0: no, no that's <laughs> never really. Not why that's why. Uh, tell
2: us how great our book is,
1: Christy. No, so,
0: right. so, well, I, ha- I, so I can tell you, um, you know, having worked with John for several years, um, you know, I appreciate everything that I was able to learn from him and just his style of account management. I worked with him very early in my client management career, um, you know, much like you, Fred. He plucked me out of the depths of hell, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> in front of the clients, uh, uh, directly in front of the clients. So, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, an instrumental in starting my actual client management career, and. Uh, primarily client facing role. So um, I learned a lot. Um, it's been a, a while. So I've had an opportunity to hone my skills and and build on them and become, uh, you know, a very experienced. Again, I'm not going to go to expert, but I have had some success and, and con- continue to do that. So, um, you know, very excited about being able to share some of the things that I've learned and excited about the fact that you guys are spending time focusing on this, because I think people take for granted uh, the fact that this role, client management, account management, relationship management, um, is fundamental to everything you do in retaining and growing your relationships with your clients. Yeah, that's Um, right. I
2: mean, as a reminder, I mean, um, a lot of the, one of the reasons we're doing this is a lot of senior business executives don't really pay much attention to account manager. They don't think about it because they kind of think of it as just a different version of, of sales or, or they're the people who are just trying to keep the client happy. And it turns out that like, it's an undervalued uh, resource because selling to an existing client is about 60 to 80% cheaper than selling to a new client, right? And
0: people Absolutely. That part, so
2: that's why, we're, that's why we're doing this. Well, thank you for the kind words. I do appreciate that. By the way, Fred really loves it when I use the word plucked. To describe him. <laughs> mm,
0: mm-hmm. I got that.
2: He's, I got mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a big fan of that. So I, uh-huh. I do try to reinforce that whenever I can. I <laughs> you
1: from Yeah. Wherever you were. It rhymes with so many other words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, it let's, does. let's stay focused wow. on the important things one, here. One, That's one. right. That's right. No, you know, Christy, what I love about uh, client management, client management, account management, is you said before when we were just talking before we started the show here, and that is that it really it transcends. Like if this is about relationships and whether you're internal or external or whatever, like it transcends, right? And so that's why I think it's so important. And I think it, it applies to everybody and anybody that's trying to drive their career. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's all applicable and and all that good stuff. But uh but yeah, we appreciate you being on the show. This is gonna be this is gonna be a good time. So, John, what, what do what do we have in store for Christy? What are we gonna do?
2: Well, what we're gonna do is Christy is gonna uh talk about the three things. We asked her um come to the show and talk to us about the three things that are the most important things to you that you share with other client managers. Um, they're the three keys to success to to make them the most successful so she's got three of those we're going to talk about each one of those today and we're going to relate it back to some of the fundamental concepts we've already been talking about so Christy what uh, what do you got for us
0: yeah absolutely Um, thank you for having me Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share this Um, but you know when I started thinking about okay how do I bubble things up to the top three things that are important I really you know had to think about what are the things that are fundamental day in, day out, regardless of what you're doing or, you know, what, particular situation you're dealing with when it comes to client and relationship management. And so the three things that I thought, you know, fit the bill for that and are important to me every single day and to the other um, client managers that we have are number number one, and these aren't in any particular order because they're all interrelated in some form or fashion, but um, being purposeful and deliberate in your relationship mapping and building and knowing where you stand with your client Mm -hmm. and not just the client you guys talked about, the client and the entity. This is talking about individuals within the organization because where you stand with each of those may be different. The second one is, um, you know, perception is reality and be sure that you know what your client's perception is because it may not be what you think. Mm -hmm. Um, and then third, you know, setting expectations that you can meet and then keeping your commitments. I think that one is extremely important as you build trust with your client and making sure that when they have a choice that they choose you.
2: Yep. Those are great. Perfect. All right. That is uh, three things. Well, that's the show, folks. Let's, uh, no, let's, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about each one of those. So um, let's talk about relationship mapping, your first one, which uh, is incredibly important. We talk about that a lot in the book. I mean, Christy, when you, when you think about relationship mapping, what do you, what do you think about?
0: Well, I think that um, the most important thing is to take a disciplined approach. Um, when you think about your client and or clients and you know, who you need to be engaged with. Um, and this can be true for internal, you know, clients or external, but it, we're going to focus on the external aspect of it at this stage. But making sure that you sit down and know who you need to be connected with and not just who you need to be connected with, but especially in large organizations, who your peers or your leaders need to be connected with um, at the client. Mm-hmm. And then, determining do you have the right level of relationship with those people, you know, rate your relationship. There's lots of tools out there in you know, how to do relationship mapping and rating relationships. Um, so, you know, every company, I think, or a lot of companies have some that they like for you to use, but using that knowing where you stand and then making sure that the client, that person on the other end agrees with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that you do that is by, talking to them, asking them
2: uh, <laughs> to, through email, right?
0: Oh no, yeah, not through email. No, this needs to be a phone conversation <laughs> for sure because we know that email is not the best form of communication. Um, so yeah, I think it's extremely important for any account is to start with relationship mapping, relationship planning. Uh and then, you know, if you're not where you need to be after you go through this exercise, it informs your action plan and your account plan on how to get where you need to be.
2: But it's but it's good enough to have it all in your head, right?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> it is not. So That's not she, a disciplined she, approach. Yeah, talk <laughs> about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, you know. I think it's important. And and this is a good kind of multiple person exercise, really, because a lot of times um, you'll get some input from either a peer or your leader or someone else that may be working with the same client on your team. Um, You sit down and, and... Identify who the people are that you need to have relationships with. And you don't just talk necessarily about specific people, but talk about roles that have some level of influence over what you do with that client. And do you have contacts within those areas? Um, And then again, using that as a a way to say, I think it'll help you identify when you have gaps because Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you don't take that deliberate approach and actually go write it down and go through that thought process, you don't realize that you have gaps and not having a relationship or not knowing that you don't have a relationship is when you start to have real problems.
1: Yep, I, I think it's really interesting because it, it takes this beyond the concept of sort of pretty pictures and org charts to what, what does it mean? Right. Right. Like all too often, I think in in the corporate landscape, we get caught up in doing things because this is something that you're supposed to do in this job or in this function. And And the so what of it kind of can get lost. Right. So why are you doing it? You're doing it to identify gaps. Then what?
0: Well, as I mentioned, I think you have to do it to create action plans on getting to the level that you need to be. And this is whether it's you in particular or as I mentioned in larger organizations where you have multiple people that need to manage some level of relationship, um, making sure that you have action plans for you and for the people that work with you on that client um, to get to the level that they need to be. And an example of that is maybe uh, you have an executive level relationship relationship and you really need to talk to them on a quarterly basis, but you're only able to connect with them, uh, you know, on a annual basis. Um, But that creates large gaps in your opportunities to talk Mm -hmm. to them. So how do you influence that? What can you do to make sure that you're at least talking to them on a quarterly basis so that you can get a pulse for where they are, you know, understand their perception of the company at that particular time. And you're not just talking to them when something goes wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. in the event that something goes wrong. Um, So it gives you that opportunity to influence. And, you know, I've had multiple situations in my career where, you know, we had a gap somewhere and, you know, it wasn't until something went wrong that that you know, leader or that person within the organization was reaching out. And what kind of experience is that when the only interaction you have with them is when something bad happens? Yeah. It it just doesn't, doesn't go well.
2: No, that's, that's perfect. I say that all the time. Like I, the first conversation I have with an executive, I don't want that to be when something breaks. (laughs) Right. It's not, that's not a great time to be doing that. No, that's, that's perfect. And, and, and Fred, your point is right on, you know, like, Yes, we create the, the relationship map and you can do it on paper or like Christy said, there's a million tools out there. Salesforce, you know, can, or in all those related CRMs, they'll, you know, they have ways you can do it also. doesn't matter. What does right. matter is that it's documented and that from that you create an action plan, you know, from, I can't tell you the, and the action plan sounds like, Hey, I'm going to reach out to this executive once a quarter. I'm going to go take them out for drinks. I'm going to have a zoom call with them. I'm going to, you know what, it sounds like something you're going to do. Um, can't tell you the number of times I've created account plans with account managers. And then there's some person off to the right, it's Jimmy in finance, right? And mm-hmm. Jimmy is in red. Like he doesn't like us and I'll have the conversation. I'll say, well, what are you going to do about it? Or what are you doing about it? And, and then it's a blank stare. Well, oh gosh. So you're, you're admitting that they, the Jimmy in finance influences how you're how the account perceives you, but you haven't, you don't have an action plan around it. That's the reason for doing the account plan so that to your point or your boss or whoever can go, Hey, you need to put a plan around that. Right. It's just like, it's, it's like a, it's like a broken carburetor. It's, you you just, you you need to go fix it. It's not just, you know, even though it's a human relationship, we don't just leave it hanging out there.
1: I don't, I don't think people use carburetors anymore, John. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm not a mechanic, but um, no, I I think it's, I had to bust your chops. I think it's really interesting because one of the things that you talk about, Christy, is you talk about individuals and the relationships that they have. And in the book, we clearly address the notion of talking to an entity, right? So, yeah, I just got off the phone with big company A and they said, no, you didn't. You got off the phone with Steve in accounting. And he is angry about what, right? And, right? and then sometimes you get the periphery of, well, he's in accounting and my, our relationship with the guy that we're doing the stuff for, that's fine. So he's insignificant. Like, no, that's a cancer cell sitting in the middle of your account right. and he is going to be a naysayer at every possible turn. Go turn that into green, right? Let us right. put together a plan if that's what we need to do collectively, but that red can't stay on the page. That's not why right. we do this.
2: Right. So, I mean, there, are, there, are, there are times where like, you can't do anything about it. You might not be able to fix it, but at least you know that it's there and you can try to come up with some sort of mitigation strategy, right? Like maybe they're asking for something that's impossible, or your company won't commit to doing, or you know, those things all happen. But you at least have a plan. You're, I'm gonna. Well, if I can't solve for Steve, I'm gonna work on everybody around him two times harder. Right. That's right. Right. Yeah.
1: It's, it's sometimes it's simple too, right? Sometimes it's just give this person some extra attention, right? They're sitting over yeah. there in accounting. If you ever worked in accounting, accounting is a tough job. Like it is. It can be thankless. And so, you know, they sometimes just, hey, pull them into the conversation, show them they have a voice and that it matters and that's enough, right? Like it don't, so it doesn't always have to be rocket science. It doesn't always have to be this super complex thing where you're solving, you know, some grand problem. It can be very simple. It can be just make sure you give somebody some attention and and let them know that they have a voice. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And the second one about perception, these two feel like they're closely tied together.
0: They really are because without you know, purposeful relationships, Um, you know, you have, you cannot influence perception. And sometimes, you know, and we know just in life in general, our perception is our reality. And it's, you know, skewed by our experiences. And, you know, it may not be everyone else's perception. And that's absolutely true um, when you're managing in the business world and your clients as well. Um, We all have things that happen to us on a day-to-day basis. Um, at you know whether we 're dealing with our client or you know whether they 're dealing with you or another vendor or whoever, and their perception their last three you know perception or experience with your company is the reality that they have in their head today, and without those relationships, you don 't have the ability to influence it and you know wh- the the second one is really focused on Not just the fact, understanding that perception is reality, but make sure you know what their perception is. And -hmm. the only way to know that is to ask them.
1: Yes. I love that. So your, your advice is pick up the phone and ask them hey, what do you think about us right now? What does your organization yeah. think about us? Is there anything I need to be concerned about? We feel like we're, like, is that is that the approach you take? Yeah,
0: I mean, more or less, I think that's exactly what you need to do. Um, you, you may not necessarily have to, uh, you know, do that for the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis other than just, you know, touching base with them. But especially for those that you don't interact with on a day-to-day basis, you, you definitely have to ask exactly like that because you want a very ex, you know, direct response to your question. So there's, there's no ambiguity. Um, you, know, you have a, a, in their words, what is top of mind for them as it relates to you and your company? I think I that's think,
2: brilliant. Like call somebody every once in a while and just say, what are you, what are you thinking about us? Right. Like that that is that's actually really brilliant, you know. And I think a lot of account managers, and I, I've certainly felt this way many times, I'm afraid to do that because I might get an answer that either A I don't like, which does happen, or worse, one that I can't do anything about. Yep. And so that I'm afraid, is super
0: scary. <laughs> right.
2: You can't do anything about it. Right. And so I and so I don't make the call mm-hmm. and and now I don't know and I don't know what the perception is right but yeah that's the that's the mental roadblock right but right. your point is just don't even worry about that worry about eliciting from them what their perception is
0: yeah i mean you know if you think about all the the time and effort companies spend around doing customer surveys and getting feedback from customers i mean you don't have to wait for that and you know you can do it yourself and be in tune with your client and what they think of you your clients and all of the different people you may interact with on a regular basis. And you can't be afraid. I mean, you don't have that luxury because if you, if there's something you can do, you need to be doing it. Um, You know, to your point, there may be things that, that are outside of your control, but if you don't acknowledge it and at least, you know, reach out, I think that says a lot about you and your company and that the fact that you care. And if you, you know, talk to them about their concerns, maybe there is something you can do, um, but you won't know that there's a problem unless you ask them.
2: Yeah, I love that. Don't wait for the customer service survey.
0: <laughs> right. Like, no,
2: I mean, like, that, yeah, we should have put that in the book, Fred. Why didn't you think of that? No, I did. I snuck it in the back. I'm going to handwrite it into every copy. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Well, because you told that's me to sign it. Yeah, that's, that's actually great. really good. Like that's,
1: yeah. Well, no, you know one of the tricks um, and and Christy, you talked about working for john and and um I had the unfortunate uh experience as well, but it was um no i we it, we all learned a lot of tricks, and so one of the tricks and one of the big things that john you, you know professed was when you walk into a meeting, like you have a deck that everybody's been working on for however long and you want to go in there and show them how awesome you are and how dedicated the whole team has been to making sure that this presentation goes off without a hitch. Right. And John's whole thing is, yeah, but don't jump right in there. Like go ahead and start the meeting with, we've got this wonderful deck and presentation and all this good stuff. But before we jump into that, is there anything that's top of mind for you? Right. Like that is a very it's it's a almost a gentle way of saying like what it kind of like, let's talk about feel? it. Because if because right. if they come out throwing flames, then, you know, off the bat, like, oh, my gosh, the seven the, the you know, the 70 percent of the slides in here that say how wonderful we are may not be rightly oriented to <laughs> or properly oriented to, you know, addressing these concerns or whatever. Right. So um, so I just it's it's a philosophy that overrides quite. Quite frankly, in, in a lot of interactions and things that you do with clients,
2: Christy, Absolutely. what's uh, what do you do when it's your tech team or your operations team or whoever it is behind kind of behind the scenes is not the main client contact and they go, "What well, your client's perception of what we're doing here is totally wrong," like, like they're they're wrong on the facts. What do
0: you do? <laughs> well, so you know, I think number one is that it doesn't matter it, it really doesn't matter <laughs> right. if they're wrong it's their perception now having said that if you have the right relationships and you've built the right trust you'll have the opportunity to influence that and change their perception but in the moment in you know the moment and the, when they're reacting or making a decision about something their current perception at that moment is the only thing that matters whether whether it's right or wrong yep. um, and it's their perception. You don't get to say, (laughs) right. You don't get to tell them how to feel or how to see or how to it's, it's their perception. And so when you're talking to the technology teams, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. It's how they feel. It's how it's their view of the world right now.
2: Right. That's right. Do you have a story? (laughs) Do you have a story about a client that how had a um, incorrect perception and, and how you changed that?
0: Um, yeah, actually, so I probably could, over the years, tell you lots of stories, but we'll focus on a more recent one, um, you know, where maybe some challenges had been, a challenge had been experienced, um, you know, maybe there was an outage or something or some service availability type issue, and, um, even though, uh, there had been, you know, a period, periods of time where things had gone really well, um, this particular issue got a lot of, a lot of visibility. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, it, it generated maybe some reactions at a level that traditionally wouldn't necessarily be involved, but because they hadn't been in and out with us day to day for the last year, they're only, thought was you know a year ago when something bad happened yeah this um, one problem we just have problems all the time right right? that's their perception you're just you just have problems all the time so it wasn't fair it wasn't accurate but it was real for them right? right right now you're creating a problem for me the last time I remember you created a problem for me and so that is a real example of you know perception in the moment is all that mattered. Right. And so um, you have to use that opportunity to try to, you know, inform, you know, sometimes gently um, and make sure they do understand that while you did have, may have had some challenges, uh, you know, We've made a lot of progress and, you know, that kind of leads back to being purposeful and deliberate in relationship planning and mapping so that you don't have those kind of opportunities. But if you do, you have to use that as an opportunity to try to correct it. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. So then you focus on, okay, what do I do from here? How do I make sure that doesn't happen again?
2: Yeah, your point is, and it's the right one, like if you allow the fact that your client has an incorrect perception to frustrate you. Mm -hmm. Because it's quote, and I'm using air quotes here, unfair, right? Like if you let that frustrate you, and it causes you to talk less to the client, or causes you to, um, you know, view them with disdain, like then you're not doing your job because you know human beings by their very nature have perceptions that are incorrect, right? And so your job as an account manager is to go see if you can do what you can do to your point to try to fix that. And if if you let that part of the job frustrate you, then you know, then maybe account management isn't for you because it's right. just—it's literally—it's right. part of the job, just like a mechanic fixes a carburetor. A carburetor. All right? <laughs> ah. oh boy. Yeah, I brought Here that back around. So, yeah,
1: yeah, you're learning, John. Uh,
2: you're fuel learning. injector. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. Right. right now that that's a that's that's exactly the perfect story christy that's great yeah
1: um and then uh and then setting expectations and keeping commitments that's your your third item here which i find to be very very interesting because it ties into several of the notions that we have in our book which i know you're familiar with but uh but I don't want to steal your thunder. Do you, right. you, want to, you want to elaborate on that one a little bit?
0: Sure, sure. Um, so I think, you know, as I mentioned, as you think about just what you have to do as a client relationship manager on a day-to-day basis, I think the most critical thing you have to do is set expectations that you can meet right? And then keep your commitments. And this is whether we're talking about delivering a report or delivering a proposal or helping resolve an issue or, you know, whatever it is. If you say you're going to follow up on Tuesday, you need to follow up on Tuesday. Um, because, If you do that, you build trust, you build, um, you put money in your relationship bank account, right? (laughs) I know you guys have talked about that Mm -hmm. and it is vitally important that they trust that you do, or you, that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Because if they don't trust that, you don't get the opportunities to grow the business. You don't get the opportunities to build and influence the relationships. Um, I think that's fundamental to everything you do. And whether you're talking about your personal relationships with the clients or you're talking about the solutions that you provide and the, the delivery that you're, you know, providing for the clients, the, the solution delivery, so to speak, Um, you know, and the most, a good example that I can think of, and John, you'll appreciate this. This goes back to our time working together, but um, we had a, a, a client that, you know, didn't believe that, that believe, or excuse me, we had a client that believed that we were not delivering projects on time regularly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in reality, it was, yes, I remember (laughs) in reality (laughs) that was not true at all. And in fact um, if you looked at compared our project delivery to even their own internal project delivery, we were, rock stars, you know, literally maybe over two years time had maybe one or two project, And we're talking about a list of 60 or 70, right, projects that wasn't delivered on time. And, and if there was a delay, it was very minor. So, we had an opportunity to talk to, uh, the senior leaders that had this or senior leader that had this misperception in a very large group, like a, a strategic, uh, you know, executive business review. And we're able to demonstrate with data that in fact, we actually have done a very good job. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, an in your face, you know, ha, ha we're, we're, we're actually really much better. It was just an opportunity to provide information and um, make sure that we were influencing perception and, and demonstrating that we did actually keep our commitments and on a, a regular basis. And in fact, the response in that meeting was that senior leader looked over to his, you know, person that dealt with us on a regular basis and said, you know, is this true? I mean, this is basically it was so good it was almost unbelievable. And the response was yes, absolutely.
1: So there was, was there was a moment of I thought we hate these guys.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. I yeah. thought these the plan guys was sucked. to dislike
2: them intensely. Like yeah. what <laughs> right. messing up my plan. Right, right.
0: Right. Um, but you know, When you get back to just setting the right expectations, whether you're talking about, you know, your ability to deliver a project, whether you're talking about setting up a meeting, whether you're talking about following up with action items from a meeting, you know, it's important that you meet your commitments and do it regularly to build trust.
2: Yeah, that's right. And when you can't meet the commitment, just be honest about that. Right. Right. And so that when you do commit and say, I am going to do something you really do, you really do deliver, even if you commit and something goes wrong and you wind up not delivering, being honest about going back and saying, hey, I'm not going to deliver this. That's not right. my standard. I want to do better for you. But we messed up and here's the problem. And so you're always forthright about, you know, meeting, meeting, meeting your commitments, hopefully more than 90 percent of the time you actually you commit and then you do meet it. But yeah, no, that's I think that's a great story. Um, I remember that story well. And uh, it actually ties in nicely to your point on number two around perception as well. It's like, you know, we didn't just let that perception fester. What we did was it was, you know, almost a two-year journey. But, like, we assembled over time enough, credit, enough credible data to make the opposite point to what they believed. And we picked the right moment to strike in front of a big group where, where their perception was wrong, was so blindingly obvious that it kind of just it, everyone in the room was like, you know, had a moment uh, where their perceptions were changed, right? And so that's not something that, and that speaks to your point about the perception piece. You don't change those overnight, and you don't change it. It's not easy to change. It takes a lot of commitment. Sometimes it takes a lot of time and energy, and it may be longer than what you want, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't fight the good fight.
0: Absolutely. And... And
2: and I'm sorry. I was going to say, I love that
1: because it turns to, um, you know, talk about it being fair or unfair, right? Perceptions and the way people think about us and, and this kind of stuff. And, and to your point, John, it can go negative very quickly. Right. Very, very quickly. It can take forever to turn that battleship back around and have them understand and doing that artfully, tactfully, gracefully is, is complex and it takes time and thought and consideration, but it, you have to be mindful about the whole thing all the time to Christy's point, or it just never happens. And then it festers and it becomes almost uncontrollable at some point.
2: Yeah, that's right. So it's, um, it, and, and you're uh, turning that battleship around is the account manager's job, right? It's not the technology team's job. It's not the operations team's job it's it's not the executive team's job it's the account manager's job and it's hard as heck right that's why uh that's why we have an account management team that's why you have a job right so yeah those are those are great great points christy so your three things are um purposefully manage relationships and use use account maps to do that to be formal about that process number two understanding your client perceptions and influencing those perceptions is hard and good work and do not let it frustrate you. Right. And then your third was set expectations with the clients and keep those commitments so that you can build trust. Did I, did I capture that?
0: Absolutely. That's perfect.
2: Wow. Building trust. Number one job of account management, right? Number, build relationship, number one build job trust. of account management. Right. That's right. So that third one is, uh, is critically important. Well, Christy, I don't want to spring any surprises on you at this, but we were kind of hoping you could sing us a song at the end of this. Oh, wow. So if, um, could we, let's see, um, I was kind of thinking like a show tune, um, all that jazz maybe, or mm. uh, Fred, oh, do you wow. have any suggestions?
0: I will if Fred does.
2: <laughs> no, we
1: went through this, Christy. I <laughs> at the, we we're trying to get ratings up.
2: We're trying to get people. They're trying to get more listeners, not let me tell you how this advertising dollar thing works. Yeah, this is all (laughs) this is all a ploy. We thought we could get some content from you, Christy, and it would boost our our podcasting numbers. Christy, I got to tell you, and the scariest
1: thing about it is when you say that. There is some like 5% temptation to be like, yeah, okay, maybe I can do that. But my <laughs> kids remind me every single day how atrocious my right. singing abilities are. <laughs> you so, just
0: say no. <laughs>
2: yeah, I just, I'm too fragile. My, my kids, they're both teenagers. And um, if I dance at all in the house, like if there's a piece of music, I start dancing. They start yelling at me. Like my, my house is the town of Footloose. I'm not allowed to dance in my own house.
0: Well, I mean, you should at least be able to dance in your own house as long as you don't do it in public or like aren't out on the right. the front lawn. Right.
2: And, exactly. The speakers,
0: Blair. Yeah.
2: I know. That's my point. It's like it's my house. I own it. You think I would be allowed to do? But no. I I'm, I'm living in Footloose. I'm not allowed to. It's crazy. I'm I'm kind of with your family on this one, John. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I can't I've argue.
1: I've seen you dance at conferences. I
2: don't want to see it again.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Uh, I'm going to yeah. leave that one alone. I think this episode is over, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> oh, take us out.
0: Yeah.
1: Take us out. Yeah. Uh, well, then maybe I'll do that. It, it has been a wonderful episode. Christy, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your, your thoughts on, on client management. It is very, very helpful. And uh, I love the theme. That, that you bring to the table. So it was wonderful. Thank you very much. Any, any parting thoughts or um, moments of wisdom here to share?
0: Well, I mean, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the opportunity to come talk with both of you. Obviously, I know John, but enjoyed meeting you. And um, I'm super excited about the book. Um, you know, having worked for John for, you know, a few years and, and loving the opportunity, I'm really excited about um, revisiting some of the things that I know were part of the foundation that you know, when I started working in account management and I think it'll lend practical advice and philosophies to people that are either entering the field and even those that have been doing it for a long time. I think that, um, you know, sometimes a fresh new approach is good. So I encourage you guys to take a look. And I know that, um, I learned a lot from John and, you know, just dealing with clients in general, just, no, don't let accidents happen. Be purposeful and deliberate about everything that you do, um, because it matters. You know, every interaction matters. Yeah. And um, so, I think that that's probably what I'll leave you guys with um, in terms of dealing with your clients and being successful.
2: Well, thank you, Christy. I'm gonna keep that recording so I can use it as a pick me up. Thank you for the <laughs> words. It went after I dance in the house. That's oh, me. Boise. All right, let's get out of here. All right,
1: thank you so much. For Christy Hyde, John Brown, this is Fred Fuller, and thanks for listening to another episode of Account Management, A Tactical Guide to Success. See you next time.
2: Learn more about the art and science of account management. Pick up a copy of A Dragon Walks Into a Meeting, A Tactical Guide to Client Management digital and print editions available at Amazon or your favorite bookseller.